Hey, so I am so excited to see you guys here tonight. Uh, yeah, even those of you that got me in that dunk tank, it got really cold after a while. Uh, but in all seriousness, hey, I, I, I really am thrilled. Andrew said this earlier. We're so excited to be back together with you here at The Crossing. Uh, I know that there are probably a lot of new faces here, which is exciting. If you don't know me, uh, my name's Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here at our church. I also uh, help co-lead uh, Veritas, and, and, and I love doing that. Uh, and, and if you don't know me, I would just love to meet you. Uh, one of my favorite things to do with uh, college ministry is just meeting new people. And so I, I know it can be a little weird uh, to kind of introduce yourself, but I'd love to meet you. Just come up and say hi uh, and, and tell me a little about yourself uh, maybe later this evening uh, or some other time. But let's do this. Let's start uh, by, let me say, uh, I was on YouTube the other day. I was on a uh, bender, if you will, deep dive uh, in, in down the rabbit hole on YouTube. And I stumbled across a video that I had seen before. Uh, it's, it's an old video. And when I say old, I mean like 1960s old. I've seen it a few times. It's pretty good. I want to I wanna watch it. Let's take a look. I love it so much. Uh, I know it's old, but but I love it because uh, I, you know, it just it gets at something that's true of every human being. We all want to belong, right? I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you look like, how old you are, whatever it is. We we all want to belong. We want a place that we can fit in. We want to find our place where we can be accepted. Uh, Apple. Uh, knows that as well. I, I was recently reading about kind of the success of Apple retail stores. I know that seems kind of nerdy, but it was it was interesting because one of the things that that Apple says uh, about its stores is is this: people really love our stores. Why? Because we're more than a store; we're a place to belong. We're a place to belong. It's interesting. I mean, when you, when you, when you dig into to Apple's kind of strategy about how they think about the retail stores, they literally call them town squares. They're not, they're not just selling a product. They're, they're selling an experience. They want their stores to be a space where, where people can gather, where people can meet together, where people can learn, and more importantly, where they can feel like they, they belong. They can be, uh, belong around other people. It's not just a place to buy, it's a place to be. And of course, Apple's not the only ones, right? I mean, uh, the, the cult brands like SoulCycle and Peloton and, and CrossFit, all wildly successful recently. Why? It's not because we've figured out that, that fitness is more fun than watching TV. No, nobody says that, right? No, it's because these companies have figured out that they can thread, if they thread community into the core identity of their business, that that sells, that that sells. See, they've figured out how to sell an experience with a community of like-minded people because that's what their customers crave. And it's not just Apple. It's not just SoulCycle. It's not just Peloton and CrossFit. That's us too. We too, we want to belong. Your generation in particular, you guys want to belong. You want to find a place to fit in. There's a, 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 a research study that has, I know studies are kind of nerdy, but Fuller Youth Institute, I, I hate the word youth, but that's the name of the thing, so that's what I got to call it. They, they recently did a study on Gen Z, and, and, and they basically say it's this kind of landmark study on your guys' generation. They said, okay, all of these things that we're studying about Gen Z, it kind of boils down to this. Gen Z is asking three big questions. You, you're asking these, generally speaking, you're asking these three questions. The first is, who am I? Who am I? 
The next question is, is this, what difference can I make? And third, you're asking, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Who, who am I? What difference can I make? Where do I fit? Justin Bieber, I'm a, a big Bieber fan. I think you call them believers, is that right? Uh, a big Justin Bieber fan. Recently, his most recent EP, Freedom, uh, he has a track, and, and one of the songs, he starts the song, he says this. He says, when the day's over and those thoughts set in, that's when I start to wander, wonder, wander. That's when I start to wonder, where do I fit in? That's Justin Bieber. Where do I fit in? He's talking about himself. Where, where do I fit in? But that's the question that we're all asking, right? That's the question that you're asking. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? How do you answer that question? As you, as you hear that question, as you think about that question, how, how, would, how do you answer it? Where do you fit? Where do you belong? I think if we're honest with ourselves, and, and I get that that's hard, it's, it's kind of a complicated answer, isn't it? It's complicated, and I said this last week if you were at Veritas, it's complicated because, because on paper, or, or rather screen, you're the most connected generation in the history of the world. You are the, I mean, no argument, you are literally the most connected generation in the history of the world, and yet study after study after study increasingly suggests that you're the least connected where it really matters relationships study after study most connected in the history of the world and yet least connected where it really matters relationships just studies right but I think that's why we're asking the question where do I fit in there's this growing sense I've been working with college students for a long time there's this growing sense in, in your generation of isolation and loneliness and anxiety but here's the thing after talking to so many of you, after spending so much time with so many of you, I think intuitively you know that that's not how it's supposed to be. That that sense of isolation, that sense of loneliness, that sense of anxiety that, 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 that we all kind of feel, that that's not how it's supposed to be. You were made for more. See, I, I think this is true, that, that you crave meaning and connection, but the problem is that you don't always know where to find it. You crave meaning and connection, but you don't always know where to find it. Now, this is true of all of us. We're all looking for something. We're looking for something that gives us meaning. We're looking for something that gives us purpose. We're looking for something that, that makes us feel like we matter, something that makes us feel like we be belong. And by the way, that's not new, right? That's not new to you all. It's not new to my generation. It's not new to human beings because human beings have always been craving meaning, have always been looking for significance and purpose. We see that all over the Bible, all over the Bible, story after story. And in fact, tonight we're going to look at the story of a guy named Zacchaeus in the Gospel of Luke. Luke is one of the four biographies of Jesus in, in the Bible. And, and we're going to pick up his story. We see his story in Luke chapter 19, picking up in verse 1. This is what we read. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. I have this highlighted here because I want to pause for a second because I think Luke, the author here, is painting a picture for us of this guy named Zacchaeus. 
And because their context is so different from our context, I think sometimes words in the Bible, they, they kind of lose their meaning to us. But, but essentially what's happening here is, is that Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And that's a significant detail because it means that Zacchaeus is hated. Zacchaeus is hated by his own people, especially the Jews. Why? Because tax collectors, they worked with Rome. And Rome historically oppressed the Jews. And so essentially what you have here is a guy who is collaborating, working for the enemy. He's not good. He's not a good dude. But, but to make it even worse, tax collectors, what they often did is they, they charged far more than what was actually required. They charged far more than what was actually required. Why? So that they could just line their pockets. So that they could get rich. And so here you have a guy who's essentially getting rich by scamming his own people while working for the enemy. Not a good dude. Not a good dude. That's the picture that we need to have of who Zacchaeus is because that's who he was. But what we see here is this. Jesus is passing through the town and we see this. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. It's kind of a funny image, isn't it? I, I asked my daughter Lucy last night. I said, hey, Lucy, she's eight. I said, hey, do you know who Zacchaeus is? She goes, yeah, isn't he that short little guy that cheats people out of money? And I said, that's exactly right. You know your Bible. Congrats. Uh, but that's true. I mean, and that's the detail that we often remember. If you've grown up in church, man, those songs, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. If, you know, if, if yeah, if you grew up in church, uh, you probably sang that song. song. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's a picture that we get of this guy, right? He's a short guy, and it's kind of funny. He's short. He can't see, so he climbs a tree. That's the detail that we often remember about Zacchaeus. But when I read these verses, that's not the detail that I think about. That's not the thing that I think most about. The thing that I think most about is this question. What was Zacchaeus looking for? What was Zacchaeus looking for? It's interesting in the Bible, when, when, the Bible, uh, when words get repeated in the Bible, it's the author's way of, of trying to get our attention. There's, they didn't have italics, they didn't have bolding, underlining like we do, highlighting. But, but what they do is they, they, authors would repeat words, and it's like, hey, pay attention to this. This is an important detail. And so what we see here three times in two sentences is, is this word see. Zacchaeus wanted to see. Zacchaeus could not see. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree to see which the author is asking us to consider that question, what is he trying to look for? What's the key is looking for? Now, a plain reading of the text, right, it just kind of insinuates, hey, what Zacchaeus wanted to see, he just wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to get, he ran ahead, he's a short guy, he climbs a tree, he wants to get a glimpse of, of who Jesus is. But, but using our imaginations, it's not hard to imagine that his experience of being ostracized, that, that Zacchaeus' experience of being isolated, Zacchaeus' experience of being excluded, left out, left alone, hated because of who he was and what he'd done. It's not hard to imagine that that experience of life that he had because of what he was doing, that it left him longing for something more, left him wanting something more, left him wanting a place to belong. Pick up the story, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up to him in the tree. He said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
And so Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Now, this is so fascinating to me because it's not like Zacchaeus and Jesus knew each other, right? Jesus didn't know Zacchaeus at all. And yet he's passing through town, and what had to be odd, he sees a dude hanging out in a tree, looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. It's interesting. Jesus sees him, and he calls him by name. Instantly, there's this personal connection that Jesus has with him. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus doesn't just say his name as if to acknowledge him. He actually says, come down. Come here. He, he names him, but, but then he closes that relational gap. He says, come here. But he goes even further. He doesn't just say, come here, let's talk. He says, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. He wants entry into Zacchaeus' daily life. He names it. He names him. Says his name, closes the gap, wants to spend time with him. Now, I want us to imagine, that might seem like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I want you to think just for a second. Think just for a second about all the times, all the parties, all the meals, all the celebrations, all the invites, all the gatherings, all the things that happened at most people's houses that Zacchaeus missed out on. All the invites that he was excluded from, all the parties that he was never invited to, all the gatherings that nobody wanted him to be at because of who he was. See, nobody wanted to spend time with Zacchaeus. Nobody wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus except Jesus. Except Jesus. And it would have been enough for Jesus to tolerate him. Okay, fine, yeah, I'll tolerate the guy. But Jesus doesn't tolerate him. Jesus says, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to come over to your house. It doesn't tell us how long. He just says, I'm coming to your house today. Who knows how long he was there? See, there's something kind of personal about having people over in our houses, isn't there? I mean, you, everything is kind of on display, the good and the bad, the, the clean and the not so clean, at least if you go to my house. But as it turns out, the good and the bad, the clean and the not so clean, where everything is on display, that's exactly where Jesus wanted to be. That's exactly where he wants to be. Jesus is comfortable in the messiness of life. Jesus is comfortable in the messiness of life. And here's the thing, that infuriated people. It infuriated people. This is what they started to say. This is all the people, all the people watching, all the people around. Remember, there were crowds. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus is a sinner. Zacchaeus is a bad guy. What's Jesus doing hanging out with a guy like that? See, it's interesting. Everybody thought that the, the one that should be on the outside, Zacchaeus, everybody thought that, that because of who he was, this is a guy that needed to be excluded, that ought to be excluded, that didn't fit in, that didn't, fit, uh, didn't belong. As it turns out, Jesus says, no, you have a place. You, you belong. You fit in with me. See, Jesus brings him in because that's what Jesus does. He gives us a place, a place to fit in, a place to belong. See, there weren't many people in Israel at the time that were hated more than Zacchaeus. And yet, how does Jesus respond to him? He doesn't go to, G uh, he doesn't go to Zacchaeus with judgment. He doesn't go to Zacchaeus and lecture him. He doesn't go to Zacchaeus and say, you're a bad dude. I'm not going to be around you. He doesn't ignore him. No, he extends friendship. He extends love. He extends acceptance. 
And the reason I point that out is because I want you to, I want to ask you this question. Is that your picture of Jesus? Is that who Jesus is in, in your mind when you think about your experience of Jesus? That, that Jesus is the kind of person that wants to be the guest of a sinner. That Jesus is the kind of person that is willing to be in the messiness of life. That Jesus is the kind of person that wants to spend time with people who don't deserve to be spent time with. Or is it something else? Some other idea of, of who Jesus is. Some other picture of who Jesus is. See, having the right picture of Jesus, as it turns out, is really important. Because here's the thing, when, Jesus, when Zacchaeus saw Jesus for who he really was, when Zacchaeus saw Jesus for who he was, not, not some caricature, right? There are lots of caricatures about Jesus. But when Zacchaeus saw Jesus for who he really was, not some caricature, when he let Jesus into his house, when he spent time with him, when he got to know Jesus, what happens? It changes his life. It changes his life. Picking up in verse 8, read this. Don't know how long they've been hanging out, how long Jesus has been in his house, but Zacchaeus stands up and says to the Lord, to Jesus, look, Lord, here now, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. See, what Zacchaeus is doing is, is he's turning from his disobedience. There's something about Jesus. There's something about spending time with Jesus. There's something about being with Jesus that, that makes Zacchaeus want to change. That makes him want to turn from his disobedience, turn from his dishonesty. And then follow Jesus instead. And this is what Jesus says to him when it happens. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, that's just a phrase Jesus liked to use for himself. For the son of man, for Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You see, spending time with Jesus, getting to know Jesus, the real Jesus, it always changes us. Over time, sure. But spending, you can't spend time with Jesus and not be changed. It's just who he is. I mentioned Justin Bieber earlier, and if you thought I was a fanboy then, you're really going to think I'm a fanboy now because I'm going to show you an interview. He did an interview two years ago with uh, Zane Lowe for Apple Music. It's a fascinating interview. It's like an hour long. I'm going to show you four minutes. But it's this interesting interview where Justin is, is talking about his faith. And more specifically, he talks about how seeing Jesus for who he really was, not some caricature, not some, you know, misrepresentation. He had lots of misrepresentations of who Jesus was. But when he actually saw Jesus, got to know Jesus, it changed him. Look at what he says. I just didn't know what the heck was going on. And so I really took a deep dive in my faith, to be honest. I just went deep into, like, I believed in Jesus, but I never really, like, you know, when it says following Jesus is actually turning away from sin. Mm -hmm. And so there's no, what it talks about in the Bible, it's like there's no obedience. There's no faith without obedience. So it's like I had had faith about like, oh, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, but I never really implemented it mm -hmm. into my life. I never like was like, I'm going to be obedient. So when did you decide to actually move within the guidelines and how did you find yourself away from, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to drink or do drugs or sleep around or what, all these other distractions. How did you get out of that world? What was the turning point for you? I think it was my perception of who Jesus really was, you know. Um, I'd had really bad examples of Christians in my life. 
who would say one thing and do another. So they were the, my direct example of who Jesus was. That's why you didn't take it seriously. I didn't take it as seriously because I didn't have good examples. Good role models. They, yeah. The way I look at my relationship with God and with Jesus is I'm not trying to earn God's love by doing good things. God has already loved me for who I am before I did anything to earn and deserve it. It's a free gift by accepting Jesus and just giving your life to him. And what he did is the gift. The forgiveness is the thing that we look at and, you know, I'm gonna worship you, God, because you gave me something so good. Do you think that if you hadn't redefined what Jesus was and reclaimed it into something that was worthy of practice for you, which then led you on a path of reconciliation with your wife. Mm -hmm. Do you think the person that, you, the you of then, was on a path of self-destruction? Do you feel that you were on a self, you were self-destructing? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would have, for sure, 100%. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be alive, for sure. It was dark, really dark. So I'm very, very grateful to have influences in my life that have played a huge part in me seeing their relationship with Jesus and their relationship with their wives and their relationship with their kids and saying, that's what I want mm -hmm. and um, striving after that. So Jesus wasn't this religious elite guy that, you know, came to, um, but he was, he was in the dirt and uh, he found me in my dirt and pulled me out. Like I said before, I'm, I'm a Jesus follower and uh, I just want to be led by when you accept Jesus he says that now you walk with the Holy Spirit. So I think I just want to be led by, by the Holy Spirit. We're not really good at the end of the day. At the core, I don't believe. I don't believe that humans are good. And people might you know, twist this and make me seem like I'm saying humanity's not good. I don't truth. know. Tell you the truth. I just feel like at the core, I fight every day temptation and things that you know are instinctive to do, whether it's, you know... Whatever it is, lie, be greedy, all these things that just naturally come, those naturally come. I got to fight to not be that. Uh, maybe humanity's, you know, it's, it's come to a place of being really, you know, it's, it's broken. I mean, it's just, you just look around. I mean, the pain in this world, it's just so, it's like, it's obvious. And uh, people are looking for hope and they're looking for a way out and they're looking for an escape and they're looking for um they're looking for truth and they're looking for um yeah and i'm just uh i've gotten the opportunity um with my journey to just see a god who's accepts me loves me um they call him the savior um and i believe that to be true mm. that jesus saved me see I love that interview, and, and, but here's the thing. Is Justin Bieber a perfect Christian? Absolutely not, right? Like, he's not even close to perfect. Does he, does he have, does he make mistakes? Absolutely. Of course he does. He's in process, right? He's in process. He's trying to figure it out. But what I love about, uh, you know, lots of things I love in that interview, but one of the things that I love most is, is he recognizes, he, he kind of admits, he recognizes, hey, I was on the wrong path. I was on the wrong path. I mean, he's, he's essentially saying, look, I, I'm just a guy trying to matter. I'm looking for something to give me meaning. I'm looking for something to give me significance and purpose. And here's the reality is I was doing it in all the wrong places. I had all of those things. I mean, Justin Bieber has all of the things that most of us want. But he said it, he was on the wrong path. 
until he saw Jesus. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus for who he really was, it changed his life. It changed his life. I, I'll say this. I don't, I don't know, a lot of you here tonight, right? I don't know what path you're on in life. I'm not up here to predict that or say that this is where. I don't know what path you're on in life. But I do know this. I know that you're looking for something. I know that you're looking for something. I know that you want to fit in. I know that you want to matter. I know that you want meaning. I know that you want significance. I know that you want a place to feel like you belong, something that makes you feel accepted and approved and loved like you belong. See, what I want to say is Jesus is saying to you tonight that that's something that you're looking for. It's him. That's something that you're looking for is him. And here's the thing. Here at Veritas, that's what we're all about. We're about Jesus, and with Jesus comes a place to belong. Jesus gives you a place to belong, which is why we think you belong here. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you're doing, all your imperfections, all your insecurities, all your weaknesses and mistakes, and you belong here. This is a place for you to fit in. You don't have to take my word for it. That's fine. But I want you to take theirs. I've, I've been asking some students, you all, over the last week or so, I've just been asking, hey, uh, this question, what makes Veritas feel like a place you belong? I got so many responses. It's actually really fun to, fun to read. I'll, I'll share about five or six. Here's, here's, here's what they say. Here's what you say. I feel like I belong at Veritas because I see how God reveals himself to me every week. Veritas has made me feel like I belong because of everyone's intentionality. Every conversation, every activity, every meeting has the intentionality that allows someone to feel that sense of, okay, next slide. If someone's taking the time to be that intentional with you, they obviously want you there. It's true, we do. Veritas is a place I call home and a place that I can be all of myself and not feel ashamed of it. Veritas has made me feel loved, seen, known. The things that felt missing and the things that I long for, I found here. I feel comfortable in my own skin and around the people I get to share this ministry with, which has forever changed my life. I can come with doubts and questions and imperfections. I can bring my messy and imperfect self. I don't have to fake it or pretend like you have it all together. Veritas feels like a place I belong because the love of Jesus is truly everywhere. It's in the warmth of people saying hello. It's in the acceptance and love and relationships formed in my small group. It's in showing up to church on Sunday and feeling the immediate comfort of having my Veritas friends around me. And it's in the messages of, that depend on the Bible. Because Jesus is so saturated in this ministry, his love is everywhere too. I've never experienced a place or experience like it. I love that so much. I've never experienced a place or experience like that. That's what we want. That's what we want this space to be. I, I was talking to a couple girls on campus last week, welcome week, and, uh, you know, they were just asking me. They were saying, like, hey, what, tell me about Veritas. I'm giving them the spiel. This is what Veritas is. This is what we do, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, but here's a really pointed question. Tell us what makes Veritas Veritas. Nobody's really asked me that question before. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, 
So I just kind of paused for a second, and, and I thought to myself, you know what I could say right now is I could say fun. I could say, hey, Veritas is a place where we want you to have a ton of fun. We're going to do crazy things, and we just want you to have a blast. We want you to have a lot of fun. Or I could have said friendships, right? Veritas is a place. I want you to, to make a lot of friends. Spend time, get to know, be with a lot of friends. But I didn't say either of those things. I sat there for a second, and, and they're probably like, dude, answer the question. Uh, but I'm sitting there thinking, finally, I say, you know what? I say, here's the thing. Here's what makes, Ver- what makes Veritas Veritas is Jesus. And I get, I'm a pastor, and maybe you're eye-rolling. That's fine. I'm a pastor. I'm allowed to say that what makes Veritas Veritas Jesus because it's true. I want you to make friends. I want you to have fun here. But mostly what I want is I want you to want Jesus and I want you to find him here. And I know that's a process. I've been around a long time. I get it. It's a process, right? I know you don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. It takes time. We all have questions and doubts. That's okay. It's okay. Out uh, in the courtyard, if you were out there, Maybe you noticed, uh, we, we set up kind of a, a mock living room, right? We had a little couch, we had some pictures, a little wall. Uh, I think there was a lamp even on a, a, a side table. And, and we didn't do that just because we wanted a, a kind of cutesy spot for a photo op. We did it because in many ways, a small way, right? But, but it's a picture. Music team, you guys can come back. It's a picture. It's, it's a metaphor. It's an it's a image of what we want Veritas to be. We want it to be, sounds kind of weird, but we want it to be a living room. And here's the thing with living rooms. Sometimes they're messy. Sometimes they're clean. Sometimes living rooms, the best thing about a living room is it's just a place that you can come and be you, that, that you can have people over and, and you can make uh, new friends and, and you can spend time with old friends and you can make good experiences. Have good experiences. Make good experiences. What's that? Have good experiences. Right? But we also want this living room of sorts to be a place where you can come and spend time and meet and get to know Jesus and do that in the context of others. Do that in the context of being around other people because that's what Jesus wants. That's what we want. That's why we think, I really, really believe, it's not just a thing on a screen, it's not just a stamp on a paper bag, it's not just a phrase, we really, truly believe that you belong here because this is a place where Jesus is found. When you guys walked in the auditorium tonight, we we gave you little paper bags, and in it is this little journal. I want you to, if you've got it near, I want you to pull it out. You can also pull out the pen if if you want, or if you've got another pen, and we just wanted to end tonight, and, and we wanted to create just a minute or two, just some space for you to just kind of sit quietly and reflect and think about this question. What are you looking for? Starting a new semester, maybe it's a new year, maybe it's a new college career, you're starting something new. What are you looking for? That's the question that we asked about Zacchaeus. It's the question that I'm asking you right now. It's the question that I want you to think about. What, what is it? What are you looking for this, this semester? Maybe, maybe for you it's, gosh, I've just got some really specific questions that I want answered about Jesus. Maybe you're kind of new to this whole Jesus thing. Someone just drug you here because they thought that there was going to be a hot air balloon. Sorry about that, by the way. Right? 
but you don't really know what you think about Jesus. That's great. You're just trying to see who he is. Climbing the metaphorical tree, right? Maybe you're hoping that this is a semester, this is a year, this is a season of life where Jesus is finally going to reveal himself to you in deeper and greater and more meaningful ways. Maybe you've really connected with this idea that, that you want to belong, but, but you know that I've been trying to fit in. I've been trying to belong in all these other places, and it's not working out. You're starting to get the sense that all these other places that I'm trying to fit in, it's not really working out. What needs to change? I don't know. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Just, I'll give you 30, 60 seconds. Just sit in the quiet. What are you looking for? Write it down. Keep it with you. Close this in prayer in just a second. Jesus, if, if we're honest, in one way or another, we're, we're all looking for something. I'm looking for something. We're all looking for something. Maybe we don't entirely know what that is, but you do. You do. And so we ask Jesus, would you, would you reveal that to us? Would you, would you do that in our lives? Would you reveal that thing to us that we're looking for? But most importantly, Jesus, would you change our hearts so that in one way or another, what we realize that we're looking for most is you? Jesus, it's messy. It's hard. We've got doubts. We've got insecurities. We've got questions. We've got mistakes. Oh, God, would you forgive us of those things? It's good news that you welcome Zacchaeus in. It's good news that you brought him in. It's good news that you delight to be the guest of sinners because that's who we are. Whether we know it or not, that's who we are. And it's good news to us because what that means to us is that you want to be not just with Zacchaeus. You want to be with us no matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we will do. Jesus, you want to be with us. That's really good news. It's good news that in you 